I think we're alone now. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Doesn't seem to be anyone. I'm just, I already fucked it up. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Met City Soccer Show. I'm one of your hosts, David Gussler, and I am here with Matt Swift with the sub caption here saying, why do I hate Messi, which we'll get into that later tonight. But Matt, how are you doing tonight, sir? I am doing well, David. How about yourself? Doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty good. It's a, it's a Monday after we didn't draw. But uh, we're we're here. We're we're gonna get to that here in a little bit. But we have a special guest with us here tonight, Matt. Do you have any idea who it's gonna be? I don't know. Who it's is it? Sir Menti himself. Mm, no, just this just is gonna kidding. be a weird uh, show then. <laughs> yeah, be no no comments whatsoever. But <laughs> uh, friend of the show, Von Pullman, is here with us tonight. So Von, welcome to the Met City Soccer Show with Sir Menti. So hey, Von, <laughs> how are you doing today, buddy? Here's Vonnie. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm excited to be here. I'm glad you guys uh, brought me in at such a cheery time in our team's history. This is exciting. We're on like an eight game win streak, so that's what we're here to talk about, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Von, Von, thanks so much for joining us, man. Uh, really excited to have you here on the show. I wish it was with uh, better times, but uh, I'm sure you're going to be here and be the sensible one here tonight and be able to help tell us why the world is not ending at least tell me why it's not ending but uh but i'm excited to have you here buddy so um how you been it's been a little while since you've been on yeah no things are as good as they can be right now uh have to look at the bright side of life right uh but yeah no things are good and i'm i'm excited to be here awesome well we're, we're excited to have you here so we're going to get into the show a little bit um there was some pretty big and exciting news uh this week within mls and of course, it's about Montreal beating Charlotte FC two to nothing uh, this week. But we'll get into the other messy stuff later. But uh, we're we're here, of course, to talk about Charlotte FC first. Um, and obviously, if you weren't underneath the rock this week, Montreal walked away with a two to nothing win over Charlotte FC. And uh, guys, there was a lot of doom and gloom after this game. So, um, how are you feeling, Matt? First, about like how this game was. How are you feeling right now? And then Vaughn, I'd love for you to kind of share too. I, I feel better now. I, I, I think if anybody follows me on social media, they I made it very clear how I how I felt after after the game. Uh, it's probably the maddest I've been uh, this season. I think that performance in the Atlanta match at home are two of the games that I look at and just can't really take a lot of positives from that. Um, and just the way we played was kind of unacceptable to me. Um, but yeah, I was, I was heated. Uh, I feel a little better now and, 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 you know, looking at some positives, um, and just trying to remember that I need to enjoy that we have a team and there is room for improvement and there's other teams to look at that, um, to look and, and and see areas of improvement like you know like cincinnati or somebody like that uh so yeah just trying to keep it all in perspective and look forward how dare you be sensible right now swift so i'm gonna i'm gonna rile you up though before the end of the episode but uh, I, I wasn't saturday night i could tell you that but i'm, I'm a lot better now well I'm, I'm glad that you're able to talk through this a little bit but vaughn over to you sir how are you feeling right now after that game 
I mean, the performance was disheartening. Um, you know, and, and that's really what was missing in the game was heart. Uh, it, it wasn't a matter that we lost. I mean, it was a bad game to lose, right? Um, mm-hmm. Heading into it, I mean, even before our first Montreal match, we were saying these two games are pivotal to what our season outlook is going to end up being. Uh, they're they're close to us in the standings. Uh, we had control of our own destiny. And in this game, what was a pseudo playoff game against mm-hmm. a team on short rest, we came out uh, in just an unacceptable fashion. The game never was going to fall in our favor. We we didn't do enough uh, on offense. There was no creativity. Uh, the energy wasn't there. The demeanor wasn't there. Um, defensively, the goals we conceded were soft, soft, soft. And uh, everybody felt it, right? Like there, there was no other way to look at it. Matt, you said no positives. That That's the exact feeling. And uh, the fan base as a whole, and, and I think it goes beyond the fan base. I think it's people inside the club as well feel the pressure. They mm-hmm. they understand that this is a pivotal moment for the club, um, that things are not going in the direction that they need to. And, you know, the not doom and gloom side of it is we're talking about a moment in time. We're talking about where this team is at today, where this team at is at in three to five years you know, there anything's possible. We can see where Cincinnati's at. We can see what St. Louis is doing right now. It's Major League Soccer. The margins are so slim from being a really successful team and being a really bad team. And unfortunately, right now, uh, we may have the talent, we may have uh, the right pieces, or we may not. And it's starting to bear out where where we are on that fence. Um, and so that's what was so disheartening about this game was that. Um, we, we weren't close. Yeah. And, and I know I, I shared that in Slack during the game, during the very heated game day channel <laughs> within Slack, but uh, was that there wasn't really anything positive out of this match. You know, usually if we, if we lose or, you know, maybe we score a goal or we have some young players coming in, there's some bright spots. There, there wasn't a single thing that was a positive from this match. And I know the last show, Matt, we talked about was that, we really needed three points in this game. We could not walk mm-hmm. away with a draw. We got what we wanted in a way. We didn't get a draw. Uh, just the <laughs> worst case scenario of walking away with zero points. And to a team against Montreal, who I feel while they are on the cusp of the playoffs, I don't feel like they're a playoff team or at least a very good playoff team. Uh, they're you know a team that ranked towards the bottom of MLS. I think they were 27th in the league when it came to uh, goals being scored in the league. I think they had something mm-hmm. like a, five or an eight game streak where they did not score a goal. And then of course, what happens, the levy break against Charlotte where they're able to score two goals back to back against uh, the club. And so it it was definitely disheartening. Uh, And I think the biggest thing for me not to get too negative was just, there didn't seem to be a lot of fight. It did not seem like there was Mm -hmm. a lot of um, passion or care from the the players on the field. I mean, I, I say that, watching it through a television, but you could just tell something was off. Right. Right. Yeah. And and again, it was a missed opportunity because if you look at some of the other results that happened that night, there was a real opportunity for us to gain some ground and get ahead of folks. Luckily, you know, mathematically we're still in this because the teams around us did not do well. Uh, But three points would have gone a long way in getting back into contention and getting ahead of some folks and building momentum and to come out that flat 
that looked like, you know, us with a lead coming out of halftime. And we started the game like that, which I haven't seen that in a while. Uh, so I just don't know what's being said. I don't know why the players are coming out like that or, you know, in, in the second half and then now this game in the, you know, in the first minute. So, well, and the scare is, is also that we're, you know, even if we make the playoffs at this point, if, if we make it eighth or ninth, the, the damage is done. Sure. You know, like we, we know what this team is. It's, it's not it's not attractive. It, there's enough of these games that we're having to scrape for those silver linings. And right. the performances are just not up to level. And and we can see the potential. We can see the talent. We can see flashes of it. And it's just not all coming together. That That's why I think it is that much more um, discouraging and why people are so like boiling over mad because mm-hmm. we can all see it's, it's not like this was just a crap team. Everybody's underperforming. Yeah, I, I, that's, a, that's a good point too. For me, it's, you know, not only have we been playing poorly, not only did we miss an opportunity and, and just getting outplayed, then you throw in the the lineup choices, the sub choices, the constant rotation. For me, if we were just getting beat with the talent that we have, if everybody's playing in their right positions, I can I can deal with that a little more because of like, okay, we can make we can get people out of the team, we can bring new folks in. That just takes time. But the the choices for me is where I get the most upset. You know, you get you have Carujo go out in the first half, and then your first thought is, hey, let's put in a player who's not played yet, who typically plays midfield, and let's put him at center back. When you have a center back playing right back and you have a right back not playing that's that's on the bench. And credit to Privet, he played played well, you know, all things considered. And, you know, I think Westwood had a nice quote about that, but it was basically like, hey, you've, you've been asked to come in and play out of position. And I said in a tweet, that's Latanzio's motto. Um, so that's, that's, where, that's where I have, I guess I've had enough and I've seen enough where that's where my blood boils. We've had enough adversity. This was the avoidable adversity. Correct. Right. Right. This is stuff that we're putting additional undue stress on the players on on the team. Yeah. Exactly. We we've. I mean, if you look at this team, if you take a step back, so much has happened to this team that's just absolutely unfair and just ridiculous. Like how we've had a strategy where a player passes away. You lose a starter before the season even starts, right? And that's that's bad enough. And then you have two players that get into some off-the-field drama, and you just lose them. It's just one thing after a, another, and then you compound that with just silly decisions. So it, there was obviously not a lot going well in this game. Um, but, Vaughn, I'll throw it over to you first. But was there anything positive from this match was there any silver lining other than privet who seemed to have played pretty well i know you said matt you know ashley westwood made a comment about how he he performed pretty well coming in especially playing out of position being asked upon to make his mls premiere um in that fashion but was there anything that you noticed vaughn that was a silver lining for fans that at least put their cap on to look forward to i'll, I'll give a couple that that are really I, I don't like 
assigning any positives to this game. Like, like my take right after the game, no positives, none. Um, if I have to look for a couple, it didn't end five, nothing could have been worse. Mm -hmm. Um, injuries, you know, Carujo went down, but it doesn't look like we have a season ending injury. So maybe that's a positive, um, positive. It ended (laughs) like we have a break after this game. Um, and other positives to come from that. Uh, you know, I, I do I do think that we have a really good captain. I think that mm-hmm. post-game comments from Ashley Westwood were exactly what was needed. I think it was refreshing to hear uh, that he shared that same perspective with a lot of the fan base. Um, and also, when, we, when, it, when I said that we had, we had little heart, it's not that we had no heart. There were players that were out there that were trying um, and it was heartbreaking seeing Ashley Westwood make a lung-busting run as the last man back in the dying moments of the game. Um, he was doing everything he could when there was no hope. And to have an on-field leader that is still showing that care and that 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 I felt for Ashley and and I felt like he's part of this like he he really does want to be here he does mm-hmm. love the program the the project the city um and so that's about all i can draw in terms of positives from this how about you swift i yeah i don't i don't have any positives at all but i do agree i think westwood is a very good captain i i thought we just got our asses kicked in the middle of the field and we didn't win the second ball. We were, we were just getting out outworked, and then there were no changes. We made changes, but the changes where I thought needed to be, those weren't made. Um, so all around, I I didn't think our field played that great. I didn't think Bronico played all that great. I think changes needed to be made. You know, Bender coming in. You know, Bender could have come in for Brant or our field at that time, and but that should have been at halftime. For me, um, you're down to nothing. You need goals. Like there's just nothing about this game that's redeeming at all, and that's the horrible thing. Like when when have we had a game where you can really look and say nothing? Nothing's good here. Well, and, and the attacking group, like that that was yeah. a fairly strong attacking group. Like you have our DP and Swiderski up top. You have our DP winger in Yuzviak. You have our U22 winger in Vargas. Mm-hmm. You have. Uh, Ashley Westwood, our captain, you have our new, uh, signing from the Scottish premier league in our field. And it led and produced zero, like no, zero sh- shots no, sh- yeah. no shots on yeah. goal. Our, it's crazy. I, our, our, our best opportunity was Jan Sobachinski with a volley from the PK spot. Like he, and he probably, sh- if that was on his left foot, that's probably in. Uh, but I think, it, I think it fell to his right foot. It did. But I mean, he, sh- he should probably do better with that. Uh, all things considered, but uh, yeah, I didn't think, and I'm looking at individual performance. I didn't think Vargas played well. Swiderski barely got the ball and like he's taken off at halftime, which I'm kind of like, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> just Kalina. I first goal. I think you got to be stronger and get that ball on the second one. He's just in no man's land. And like, you, you got to come out and get, get that or like stay in. You can't, come out and then make some weird half-assed attempt. It was very, very strange. At that point, get the red. I, I would have been okay with it. Yeah, like at least B 
be, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it was a sad, sad night. Again, maybe one of our worst performances. (laughs) I don't know. So, and, and speaking of that, so there was a, there was a comment and you just touched on it a second ago. So one of the, the shocking things that I had and that I noticed, at least in the first half was that Carol Swiderski, our DP striker was subbed off at half. Right. And I think after post game, I think, uh, Carol Walton put a quote out saying from, from Latanzio saying that, um, I wanted to see a different, and this is Latanzio said changes at half, including, uh, Swiderski were tactical. So no injury, nothing like that. Um, and said, quote, I wanted to see a different energy. I wanted us to play with more courage and positivity. So what do you think reading between the lines there are the tea leaves that uh, Latanzio like, met there, Swift? You know, Swiderski is a hard person to read um, unless he's scoring and like he's super adamant. There's just he's very stoic. You don't know if he's having the best time of his life or he just hates everything. So it's hard to read him. I feel like he's probably frustrated. The the kind of jab at the energy makes me believe that he thought that Swiderski was not working hard enough, maybe not tracking back, maybe not being in the positions he needs to be. And I think that's a big thing for Latanzio, and I think it's one of the reasons why he benches Lindsay and one of the reasons why he doesn't play Mora. I think he doesn't like how they get out of shape, and I say that in – quotations because I don't agree, but I think that's what he looks for. And and sometimes Swiderski can come across as a little lethargic. I I think it's just kind of how he is sometimes when he gets frustrated. Um, And I'm just, I'm guessing here because I honestly don't know when it comes to Latanzia. I honestly, I I do not know. And that's uh, to me though, like, how can you say that to the guy who had a brace last game and should have had four goals and was the reason why you were even able to get a point at home last game? Um, and that's your DP striker. Your other DP yeah. strikers hurt. Your other DP winger produced nothing. Your other U22 winger produced nothing. And you're going to be like, yeah, that's the guy that I needed more positivity from. And, that, and that's to me, like, I, I don't I don't necessarily agree, but I don't know if something was said at halftime. I, I don't know if something was the energy. I, I don't know. And that's the frustrating yeah. thing. So how about, how about you? That was, that, was, that was my vibe. I immediately thought, what happened in that locker room? What was said? Did, did Carol go off and say something that crossed a line? Did he challenge the coach? Uh, you know, I think we all felt at that halftime that somebody needs to go in there and say something. And when he got subbed off, you're subbing off your best player. You're like, like there should not be a game where if Copetti's not available, that Swiderski's not playing all 90 minutes or, or darn near to it, um, especially with a long break coming up. Yep. Uh, he had no service. There, there was nothing that I felt he could have done differently in that first half to yep. impact the game. Um, we can talk about some of the goals. I felt Vargas, I understood why he got subbed off. And, and there's, there's a moment in particular that is in my mind for him, but for Carroll, it made zero sense and I, I we're going to get into the conversation about latanzio in latanzio out i've been probably one of the more vocal bigger name people saying that i i want to give latanzio time and grace and a little bit of an apologist and the caveat to that for me has been unless he loses the locker room 
Yep. Unless he is losing the locker room. And I think that seeing the body language of the players, seeing the uh, demeanor in the press conferences, seeing that heart and passion and desire in massive games like this, um, I, I think he is there are indicators that he's losing it. And when you start benching your only DP or impact DP, use react DP. So I, I don't want to say that, but um, Sw- Swiderski coming off at halftime was alarming. And I think that there is a reason that there's so much smoke happening right now about what the future for Latanzio, for Zoran, for the club, what it's going to be. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think even the staunchest supporters of Latanzio are having to realize that the the page is turning over. So, and this isn't the first time this season where we, we kind of wondered why Carroll didn't start or got benched at half. I want to say it was Orlando or something else really early in the season where Carroll didn't start the game and then um, got subbed on at halftime, I believe, right? And so, and there was never, nothing ever came out from that. It was just because it was a tactical decision, et cetera. Um, so there's, to me, there, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire a little bit from this. I could be reading into it too much. There's no indicators or sources or, you know, Matt Swift DMing me and letting me know some secret info. I'm just joking. But um, to me, that's just, that's worrisome a little bit. And I agree with you, Vaughn, that um, I know we were texting before the show, like, that's my biggest worry right now is that Latanzio is losing the team. Before it was, okay, fans are pissed. You're going to have Latanzio out shirts at US Open Cup games, whatever, right? But as long as the team and the players still bought into it, it's whatever, right? But to me, I don't, I don't see that in energy and that that buy-in, right? Well, think about it from a player perspective. Say you're Ben Bender and you score a goal, get an assist, you have a really good game, and then the next game you you don't play, or maybe the next game you don't score, you don't do bad, but then automatically you're you're benched and you don't play for a few games. Or you're Jalen Lindsay, who you never know if you're in or not, and you may have a great game, and then maybe the next game you don't play as well, and then you're just dropped. And so, as a player, that's that's that can't be comforting, and you have to sit there and, and wonder, like if maybe if you're Jan, like wait a minute, why is a center defensive mid playing my position? Or Mora, like, why is everybody playing in front of me? Why am like, I not even making game day <laughs> rosters? So. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'm sure some of the players are just like, what in the, what is going on? Um, so, Vaughn, I know you touched on it a little bit about like certain players in this game. So I know you you mentioned, you know, Curran Vargas. Um, what individual performances either stood out to you for, for better or for worse uh, during this game? And like, what was... Um, some red flags and what was some things that kind of stood out to you? I, I mean, that that's incredibly loaded. <laughs> I could talk for a long time about that. Um, let, let's talk about the two goals and just kind of dissect them for, for a second. Because sure. those were our greatest moments of weakness, I felt, um, that, that were preventable. Um, the first goal, the opening goal, we had possession. Our field had the ball to start a transition. He sends a speculative ball towards Swiderski. He overhit it a little bit, but it was a non-dangerous moment. We have our entire team back. We have all the defense lined up. We should be able to absorb the pressure. There should be no issue there. Our field ends up in a 1v1. He gets pretzeled a little bit. 
I understand that you've got a guy running downhill at you. It's a challenging moment, but you want him to be better. At least he's trying to pressure the ball. Yep. Nathan Byrne ends up not following Bryce Duke's run. Yeah. Um, he doesn't cut out the le- the passing lane. And so he might as well be a traffic cone. He might as well not be there. And it goes right through. And then on the, the centering ball, it still is ultimately in a non-threatening position if you can prevent the entry ball right. into the box. And it gets through Sobachinsky. It gets through Carujo. It gets through Kalina. There were so many people culpable on on that opening goal. And it just was like a comedy of errors that it, it, it shouldn't have led to a goal. It was way too soft. Um, and and then the second goal uh, came from no pressuring on the center back. You could maybe assign that to Swiderski. But to me, it was the moment before that where uh, the ball ends up having a bounce on the left wing. And... Aaron Herrera falls down. He is literally on the ground. And Kerwin Vargas does not have a switch to go win the duel and just make a 50-50. If he charges and challenges Aaron Herrera for that ball, it doesn't recycle back to the center back to be launched forward. Yeah. It's literally just pressuring and forcing a duel and fighting for every rolling ball. Mm-hmm. Kerwin Vargas did not make that happen. And then and then when the ball gets launched, Guzman Carujo can't stick with his man. He's absolutely shredded. He's, he's not holding tight. He's not in a position to hold the guy, foul him, <laughs> get, get to a 50-50, nothing. Right. Yeah. You've got Jan Sobachinski, way drawn out, no ability for him to do anything. And in that moment, Kalina, Kalina should be starting at the edge of his box. He should right. be in a position exactly. where he yep. he can already sweep it out. Yeah. Right. And so once again, it's just guys that at this point in the season, it, it, it's what's what, uh, what Westwood said in the post game comments is it's elementary school stuff. It's the basics. Mm-hmm. It's not it, he, he was talking a, a lot about loose balls and loose passes, but these two goals were preventable just by like standard pressurings and blocking lanes and just reading the field. And and that's what was so sad is how soft it was. And and I've talked about in, in great length, and I hope I get an opportunity to talk about, you know, the addition of Brecht and what he means to this club and our field, why, why we brought in two midfielders. And I've got some thoughts and feelings about Jones, about Bronico, about our midfield, about what that means to our wingers. I, th- there's so much that I could go into, but I'll, I'll let you guys guide when that time's appropriate. But for now, this game, you're asking about players, moments. That let, Let's just leave it at that because we could dissect the whole time. And the, the worst part of that second goal, too, is that you now also have an injury to Guzman Carujo after that. And who knows how long he's going to be out for. We lose another center back. So now, potentially, our center backs moving forward are going to be Jan Sobosinski, um, Bill Tuiloma, or who knows? Nathan Byrne could be center back again. Who knows? We saw that combination earlier in the year. So that's that's the scary part about it, especially for a player that just came back from rehabbing an injured knee from a year ago. Um, Swift looked like you were about to say something. So, yeah, and and maybe I'm just being mean here, but it it it's one of those things where your coach keeps saying kind of odd things that 
Latanzi was like, oh, and now we got Guzman out. So, I, you know, I don't want to have to like mix up the center backs again and like have to, you know, make changes. I'm like, that's all you do. And like, again, like maybe I'm just being overly critical, but when your coach says stuff like that, you're just like, are, do you, are you in the, am I in the twilight zone? Like, why are you saying things like that? Like, don't say, yeah. like, I'm, it's just, well, and one of the big reasons I've been a Latanzio apologist is because I understand what he's trying to do. There's been a lot of, of comments about his system being too hard and, and too challenging. And what is he doing? What is our style? And what guys it I've said, it, it is a man city Pep Guardiola textbook, like literally just watch some Pep Guardiola, go watch some Arteta at Arsenal, and you will understand what Latanzio is trying to do. Yeah. He is not inventing moving a center defensive mid in, uh, in as a center back. He is not inventing moving a center back right. out wide as an outside back. Mm-hmm. Like th- they're out of position to a degree. No, it's really just a hybrid of that position. They're, <laughs> they're shifting that skill set to another area of the pitch. But when the pieces don't fit those profiles quite right, and when injuries are constantly adding to this extra rotation, I think that's what's happening is we have no stability. The reason I've been so pro Latanzio is I want us to just settle in, have stability, get healthy, settle into a best 11. We were talking on the morning and coffee just the other day, like just calm the waters, settle mm-hmm. in. And, and it feels like we're not going to get to that point. So I, I'll just want to read this quote real quick, just from what you were saying, Swift, and then I'll share my frustration with it too, and then I'll, I'll hand it back to you. So uh, yeah. Latanzio on Guzman right here says, quote, he felt a quad, uh, but that this is a situation I'm not happy about. We have to solve this as soon as possible because I can't keep changing center backs every 30 minutes or 60 in reference to CB as being thin with Marlanda and Derek Jones both heading into this game. So for me, that's frustrating. I get it. But also, mm-hmm. don't yeah. don't talk to me about it when you've started so many different combinations. When you've had healthy CBs at the bench, you've had healthy left backs and right backs yeah. on the bench. Like I, I don't want to hear those excuses because, I mean, yeah, it's not an ideal situation that you're on your sure. fourth or fifth center back right now. But yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I, I'm I'm with Vaughn. Like I remember during Open Cup, I was like, I'm Latanzio in. Like screw all the haters, mm-hmm. all this stuff. And now oh, yeah. I'm, I'm that ship sailed. So uh, how about you, Swift? Well, yeah, no, and. And, and again, if he would just had said that and the, you know, and it was just that situation, I think everybody would be like, yeah, that make that, that makes sense. We keep having injury injuries and that's frustrating. But when he is switching people in and out, then I I I, I can't I can't handle it. But Vaughn, you you talked about the system, what he's trying to implement. It's beautiful football when it comes off right. Uh, I think it could, you know, I watch Arsenal all the time. I love it. And I said last, I think in on soccer and coffee, like Arsenal didn't have those pieces at the beginning and it, it was bad. Now they do. We have some new additions. Where do you think this team can go with Brecht coming into the team? How do you think he fits in that middle? And will this help solve anything at all? It, I think it will. Uh, I'll, I'll also say his name, Brecht de Yahara. Thank you. Brecht de Yahara. <laughs> Brecht. Brecht. This is going to be um, so bad for me. <laughs> um, what, what he adds to this team, him and Arfield, because I, I really want to kind of bring them together, is um, 
a higher level of technical ability, mm-hmm. a tool set that is designed to be attacking, to be able to hold and maintain possession. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's something that I think we have really missed in our midfield, where I've said our, our midfield has been our challenge. And, and this is where I want to talk about uh, Jones and Bronico, because jo- Jones has been outstanding in his own right. I think there's been stretches where he's been our best player. Um, I think that there is a higher ceiling for him. Uh, Brant, love the guy. His hustle, his energy is exceptional. But those two guys, there is more than enough sample size in their career to take a look at what their offensive contributions are. And their offensive contributions, at most, pure ceiling is like four goals and four assists if they are starting quite literally every game. Combined. I'm not talking four and four each. I'm talking about combined, like four goals, four assists. And if you're going to have that kind of offensive contribution, you better be a darn defensive stalwart. Mm -hmm. You better have some other skill set that you are just absolutely elite at. And they're just, they they, they aren't that. (laughs) they, They just aren't. And I think we've needed to bring in some people to up that level. Uh, Bender, why, why we really like to see Bender is he's more involved in the attack. He scores mm-hmm. more goals, but his weaknesses include often giving the ball away in bad situations um, and also not being able to track back defensively in transitions. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like we haven't had this right mix in midfield. So Diahara and Arfield should elevate our ability to have dual eights and allow Westwood to play, I, I, you've heard me banging the drum for Westwood to be a number six and to be playing as a regista. I think mm-hmm. that he can dictate tempo, control the game, quarterback, be able to connect the communication between the back line and, and the midfield line and, and spring attacks and read for quick switches way better from a deeper position. He will be able to see the field and will get a better Westwood from that. And so yeah. uh, Westwood having to bear all of that offensive responsibility when he has to play alongside Jones and uh, and Bronico, he, he just he, he can't contribute as much on the offensive side to make sure. up for that difference. And uh, I think that's where we've really struggled in our build is, and, and some of it is, is not, Nuno Santos was supposed to be that. At the start of the season, mm-hmm. we saw Andre Shinyashiki even being played in the midfield when we were still doing the four, two, three, one, like he started the season game one as a central attacking mid, like, and and you had Swiderski starting out side as a winger. Right. So, so, so like so much changed heading into the season of what this team wanted to be able to do on the back line, in the midfield, in the attacking line. And uh, I think we've needed these additions to really change that flavor it's nothing against Jones. It's nothing against Bronico, but we need to have something that here, here's the way I explained it to some people. How does a team have to adapt and game plan for Jones and Bronico's offensive threat? They quite literally don't. Right. They, they, they don't have to do anything. They have to go in and game plan and say, how do we break down their midfield and move around Jones and Bronico? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And and I think now when we have a midfield of Westwood, Arfield and Diahara, we're going to have more creativity and more tactical ability and more possession 
where teams will have to respect the offensive threat and the, the abilities of those players to move forward and attack together. And I think that that's going to change a big dynamic. Let me let me ask you this, Vaughn. I, I really like that that midfield, and I agree with you. I like I've liked Westwood in that six role. Um, where are our uh, DPs though in this formation? Somebody's got to sit, right? Unless unless we play Swiderski on the wing. Yeah, yeah. Or or, or it's going to be rotational, right? Like there's mm. going to be games where you know we're i talked about this on the soccer and coffee we also need to have bench options sure like i'd be i'd be fine if bender gets a spot start bender's doing well or not but if he's doing poorly great that's when you sub on our field and let our field come on as a 15 to 30 minute super sub which he was excelling at in the scottish premier league yeah and you're going to be good to go we we get a lead and we need to have just a motor in midfield to to snuff Mm -hmm. out those 50 50 duels yeah. Great. Bring on Bronico and let him just run down the throats of the other team's tiring midfielders. Yeah. Like, yeah, ex- exactly. Uh, yeah. Th- and I think there's this kind of misconception when we put out a, our potential starting lot uh, 11 or we say who we would rather have in the midfield is like, oh, you hate Ben Bender. But no, it's it's not that. Or oh, where's Derek Jones? I'm like, well, he's on the bench and he's going to be awesome when he comes off. When he comes on the field, he can shut shut the game down when we have have a lead or Brant Veronica or somebody like that. Or maybe you throw on a bender or something like that when you have to get a goal. It's we we talked about this at the very beginning of the season, David, like like, oh, man, we're going to have all this depth and we're going to, you know, and then all the injuries happen, the tragedy happened, all that stuff. But yeah, I, it, we need to get to a point where in any situation in the game, our manager can turn around to the bench and be like, ah, I've got a guy for that. I've got a guy for this. They're weak over here. I'm, I'm seeing it. They're, they're, they're tired. I'm going to throw on this person now. And we and, don't really have and by, and by having that midfield control, we're going to also improve our spacing and ability for our wingers to be effective. Right. Another big thing that I wanted to talk about is Kerwin Vargas and Mackenzie Gaines and Camille Yuzviak's offensive outputs are not to the level that they need to be. Right. Camille Yuzviak, I'm just going to do a little quiz for you guys. A little, a little quiz. How many shots on goal do you think that Mackenzie Gaines has in his time with the club? Four. Shots on goal. Four. Four. In two years or one year? Or just this whole time? Two years. Oh my God! I, maybe yeah, four, three, hardly okay. any. Okay, you guys are giving a little gentle, but Mackenzie Gaines has eleven shots. <laughs> oh on goal. man, but that's two seasons though, right? Uh, that's two uh, seasons. Eleven, eleven shots on goal yeah. in seventeen hundred minutes. Yikes! I can't think of a time he's, he's okay. Really Camille Yuzviak, Camille Yuzviak, our yeah. DP winger. Yeah. How many shots do you think he has in his time? Uh, shots on goal. In his time with the I'm, club. I'm gonna say because you said McKenzie is eleven, I'm gonna say fifteen for Camille. I'll say I'll Matt? say I'll say double, like twenty-ish. Seven. Yikes. What? Yikes. Camille Yuzviak <laughs> has seven shots on target in two thousand minutes played. Okay. And Kerwin Vargas <laughs> is marginally better with eighteen shots on goal, but he's taken forty-five. Well that's taken so that- forty. That makes sense. Okay. He's taking a lot see, of shots. See Kerwin, sure. yeah, as I say. But then the offensive contributions, Kerwin and <clears throat> Mackenzie Gaines are dead even. Two goals apiece, five assists apiece. 
total yeah. in, in, in seventeen hundred minutes and eighteen hundred minutes. And, like, and that's so it's that's just the not thing. good enough. This thing, like when you know, in our Slack or you know, social media or whatever, when you're say when you say, "Oh, Gaines is just as good as Vargas," people will come at you. I'm like, "You're <laughs> crazy." <will> <laughs> You don't know what you're talking about. Gaines is the worst player there's ever been. I'm like, well, okay, let's look at output. And it's a it's a good thing to really step back and, and look at. You know, I like Vargas, but he has taken a lot of shots, but he's just not producing. And, and that's what I felt in this game was I wanted Merrim on there because Merrim on the reverse side has Same. three goals and four assists Same. in yep. 14 games. He's yep. got six shots on goal in 882 minutes. Yeah. He has been effective. But yeah. this is the other maybe potential knock against Latanzio is at the end of last season, we were seeing progress. We were seeing players grow into themselves yep. and play with confidence. What we're yeah. seeing now is a lot of players that start hot and then they tail off. Yeah. And why why is Merrim finding the bench in this game? I yep. do not understand. <laughs> that, and, 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 yeah. and, and when you've got Vargas and Mackenzie Gaines, you, you're bringing off Kerwin Vargas to put on Mackenzie Gaines for what? The, for the same output gain yeah for what gains no gains oh, there are no gains. <laughs> look at that that was good so yeah. so yeah. i i don't mean to bring us back full circle but during like one of the the earlier points you made uh vaughn was about the style of change like the the style of play potentially changing and some of the lineups changing i mean rather for better or for worse you know you've had players like nuno andre that were in early season plans now they're gone Bringing on new players like Breck. I, I can't say it. Sorry, I can't do it like you, Vaughn. Um, yeah, no, right. <laughs> Everyone's in the car right now doing that same noise. But uh, <laughs> I went to Hebrew school for three years to be able to do that. It's fine. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Well, um, so so speaking of like style of play, so Enzo Capetti did a interview with ESPN Argentina and said in one of the quotes in that article or that interview was that the style of play and the tactics at the beginning of the season were different and they've changed compared to where we're at now. Now, to me, we, I mean, from the layman's eye here, it doesn't seem like we've changed that much. We've had some players shift roles, but the tactics still seem the same. We're still pinching in. We're trying to do this city style play. It, did it really change that much? Or is Enzo just kind of pushing the buck a little bit of like why they're not producing or why they're not scoring goals or producing shots, et cetera? I mean, the four two three one uh, was where we kind of started, and I, I we said then it didn't really jive with I think what Latanzio wanted to do. I think he was playing the four two three one to your point earlier of trying to get Carol Swiderski and Enzo Capetti on the pitch at the same time, and to try and ultimately uh, get them uh, at times playing in a two striker system. And getting getting opportunities for Swiderski to step forward into the forward line. The 4-2-3-1 allowed Latanzio to establish the principles of play that he wanted on the back line. He was able to still do the inverted uh, outside backs. He was able to have some of the same winger movement. So he was able to lay certain foundations with the 4-2-3-1, but it was never what he really wanted to implement. I think all along he was wanting to work his way towards these principles of this 433 that moves into a 3223 and i think also the the pivot the the dual eights is i think it something that the organization has wanted even back in in mars days like i think that mm -hmm. is an organizational principle of wanting to be a possession team 
that gets numbers forward and controls the midfield and gets numbers forward through a, a dual pivot. And uh, where we were just saying, I think Brecht and, and our field are really going to raise our ability to operate in that dual pivot. You, you mentioned something a little bit ago about our, our wingers and how this midfield will help open them up. Again, coming back to, to Arsenal. Who? Arsenal, this, this, Arsenal this past season, most of their goals did not come from up front. It came from out wide. And then, you know, moving the ball in and, and hitting kind of like that, that looping ball that Vargas tries to hit, you know. Uh, to the to the back post, um, but like right now, our wingers are not getting the ball in good positions. When they do get the ball, there's no options for them to release it quickly. And when they do, they they're not moving. So, I'm I'm hoping that this new midfield will generate, to your point, Vaughn, more control on the ball, possessing it, not turning it over, so our defense is just constantly under pressure. And it, it will hopefully allow our wingers to get in better pockets of space, receive the ball, and, you know, hopefully our backs are overlapping and, and things like that. But it, it's, it's interesting because, yeah, well, I, I've seen and, that with both teams. And, and I want to say our winger output has improved. Mm-hmm. Like, like our winger output this season is actually not terrible. I think with Cambridge included, with Merrim's effectiveness, with all mm-hmm. everything considered – our our wingers have produced like 10 goals, 15 assists, like in that ballpark. It's not terrible as as a collective, but the individuals, it's very hit or miss. And we don't know who's going to carry the torch from game to game. And we don't know who is our best 11 or, or there's a lot of mixed feelings on, on who that best 11 is. And so uh, I think having a midfield that can control the ball better, that causes other teams to have to uh adjust their style and counter for that uh is going to open up those pockets of space it's going to allow mckenzie to make those end line runs and to stretch Mm -hmm. other teams it's going to lead to opportunities where guys are more confident to play direct like i think right now a lot of our players they play scared or hesitant to a -hmm. degree because they they don't know if it's going to come off (laughs) i Uh I think they've made enough mistakes that it's uh they're between two minds. And I think having some of that also veteran leadership, having guys that have been at that higher level and know how to carry that mentality for 90 minutes. Cause that's the other thing is the reason we feel confident in this squad and in some of these players at times is because we've seen glimpses of it. It's mm-hmm. putting it together for a full 90. It's exactly what Ashley Westwood said. They, they can go toe to toe with a Cincinnati. We, we are not that far off from, from yeah. being at that level. What, mm-hmm. what we lack is the mentality and the consistency. And yeah. and getting that stability. And right now we're just in rocky waters. Yeah. So where do we go from here? Right. So um, when you when you look at the way the roster is built, the way that Latanzu has been the past few weeks, we are now, I want to say what, seven appearances without a win. Uh, the last win was LA Galaxy, which was back in May. Um, quality win, I would say, is probably Atlanta, which is even farther back. Um, when you're looking at Latanzio, like, do you feel like fans have a justified, justified cause to be like, we need to make a change where, if you're Zoran or even David Tepper, 
what do you do at this point in the season in year two for your front office, for your team, for your uh, coach? Vaughn, I'll go to you first. Thanks. Um, <laughs> but now, as I say, we'll make you get the quote out there first before I'm just joking. <laughs> I, I think it's it's what I said earlier. I, I think we can all sense that Latanzio is losing. He's definitely lost the fan base. Uh, it, it feels like he's losing the locker room. Um, it, it We have no idea what trust level there is in the front office. Um, I wanted to have patience and I wanted to to see where this is going uh, with, with the additions. Um, you know, at, at first I was concerned that the additions weren't going to come and that that was signaling the intent yeah. to let Latanzio go. If there was no moves, if the guy's calling for three players and then no players come, you're saying, I'm not going to add anybody for you. I'm going to wait until there's somebody else and add players for him. Right. So uh, I, I think that the moves signal that the front office is trying to meet the wants and desires of Latanzio to try and make steady improvements. I, I think it may be too little too late. And what do we do the rest of this season? Uh, I think we get those people in. Don't cause any more damage than has already happened. Hopefully the players can rise to the occasion and persevere and say, hey, we have to play with pride and with respect and don't don't let ourselves get disrespected and fight for this crown on our chest. And uh, ho- hopefully the players digging deep uh, gets us to a respectable level. But what can we salvage from this? What, what do we do? Uh, the, the Tep, Tepper has to make some really tough decisions right now. He's got to go one of two ways. He's either got to trust and commit and and say, hey, I'm going to continue to add whoever I bring this window. We're going to move on from Nuno and Andre and any players that don't fit the system in this style this, uh, this winter. And I'm going to make additions because we should be able to bring in a designated player this winter. Uh, at least one. You, if you move guys on, you could bring in more. And, and so I think Tepper has to have a real decision on am I trusting and committing to Zoran and Latanzio? And if I'm not, how do I have impactful change and do it quick? Because, and this was my other big message that I had after the game, is we are starting to lose support organically. Yep. There, there are people that are ready to get rid of their season tickets and come to less games and pour less mm-hmm. energy into this club. And, you know, we're, we're not Cincinnati, right? We, we haven't won three straight wooden spoons. Um, we, we can build upon the foundations that have been set, but we are hitting an inflection point in our history. Mm-hmm. We, we are at a pivotal moment where we're going to go one of two ways. And, uh, you know, that's part of the roller coaster. We, we don't know if we're about to bend left or bend right. Um, but but what do we do right now? We make a decision. We be go bold, commit to it, and uh, hopefully it's the right one. Swift, what about you? Yeah, I, I don't know how tied Latanzio and Zorn's fates are together. I would say unless we have a couple more bad performances like we did against Montreal, Latanzio stays in to the end of the season. I would imagine, though, that behind the scenes, some coaches are probably being approached. Some feelers are already out there. 
I I wouldn't be surprised if that's been going on for a couple, maybe even months, just to kind of see what what options are are out there. What I think may happen is we get to the end of the season, depending on what happens. I think we let Otanzio go. And then I think Tepper gives Zorn one more shot at getting the coaching selection right. Let me let me say this though. Tepper ultimately signed off on Miguel and signed off on Latanzio. So that's why I think he would give Zorn a little bit more leeway with this. But we've also seen Tepper when when kind of when push comes to shove, he is not afraid to guillotine something and and move on, which can be a really, really good thing. And maybe it's just one of these situations where we struggled these two seasons. We've made a ton of mistakes. And I just think we can learn from all the things that have happened. We've had all types of stuff that typically doesn't happen, or maybe they happens like one thing will happen per season. I feel like it's everything has happened this season. I think we'll learn from this and move on, but I would be shocked if Latanzio is our coach next season, even if we make the playoffs. I just don't see a way he's he stays in that seat. But I do think they try their best to get through the season. So I know, <clears throat> Swift, you and me were kind of going back and forth earlier around some other coaches <laughs> stuff. But I, for those out there, I mean, you know, and I get it. I'm not I'm not the expert when it comes to this, but my fear what it was was that if you're holding on to Latanzio right now, is that going to prevent you from bringing on the guy that you want to have? Or is it going to like, because I mean, and maybe it's a moot point because if we have another game like Montreal, you're probably going to get rid mm. of them. Right. Um, so I, to me, I just want to make sure we just don't scare off anybody because we've had two swings in the miss um, so far with our, with our coaching hires. And that's the thing that concerns me is it's any, any manager or coach, that's going to come in here is going to be like, shit, I'm going to have to perform my, my very first season because if, if I don't like, we're probably not going to be able to stay, stick around again. Right. Um, you've, you're a brand new franchise. You've got two coaches in the first two years. Now you're on your third in your third year. Um, you know that if you don't make the playoffs and perform your sporting director may be on his way out as well, who again, signed off on you being here. That's my concern. I, I will say there's a little bit of a caveat there. I, I think with Miguel, it wasn't just performance. I think there was sure, some behind sure. the scenes friction and some other issues. So it's not just performance there. With Latanzio, I think he he fit the the time and just interim manager get us through the rest of the season. The locker room really liked him. He's a player's coach, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I just think this this whole thing has gotten away from him. So Zoran and David Tepper have made two unwise choices when it comes to coaches. They just need to get this next one right. But a change is absolutely in the cards. It has to be. Um, and then Tepper's really got to start looking at Zoran. Like, okay, we've made some bad decisions around here. We've, we've brought in some personnel that did not work. We listened to a coach and brought in players that he wanted. And now we're still trying. I, I still feel like, offloading some of those folks and that that takes a while so a lot of mistakes i think there's a very short leash with latanzio and i I just don't see him being the coach next year well well i think the day is going to come that we buy experience i I think Mm -hmm. the other 
you know, we, we've had that conversation about um, Tepper's approach of trying to buy low, sell high, get people mm-hmm. to that are, are getting their first opportunities and uh, you, you try and squeeze the most out of that situation. And, and I think that he's coming to the realization that there's going to be certain positions that you have to buy the existing experience, whether that is from within MLS or it's abroad. Um, but I think that that moment will come for us. <laughs> and, and I think it may be yeah. coming sooner than any of us expected. I've had that concern and, and why I wanted the stability is, yeah, it becomes a tougher pitch to be able to convince somebody to come here if they think that they're going to have a short leash. Uh, but but I think that's also the nature of soccer in the sure. world is sure. you, you've got to win. You, you've got to go out there and you've got to perform and wins are what matters. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think any coach, you know, can be sold the pitch of um legacy building can be sold the pitch of we're going to give you this time right we we recognize you're stepping into this situation we recognize that you're stepping in with a roster that may not fit exactly what you want to to see we're going to work with you to build that out and that's one of the reasons why i've wanted to have that grace for latanzio mm-hmm. i was saying literally on soccer and coffee earlier this week being like calm patience grace you know we we he, he couldn't have accounted for Anton. He couldn't have accounted for Nuno. He couldn't have accounted for Andre. He couldn't have accounted for the injuries that, that he started the season with Carujo and with Kalina and Copetti going out for a period of time and Ujviak going down for a period of time and some of the signings happening a little bit late in the window. Like, there is a lot. There is a lot, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot. Like, he's not the one that is the physio and, and, and setting these guys up where every single guy is going down with quad injuries either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, I, there's, I think any coach that would that was in Latanzio's situation could face this type of adversity and end up with the same results. The problem right now is, is he elevating the players that are available? And we've, we're starting to answer that. And like I said, is he losing the locker room? Only people inside the club know the real situation of that. And it, it feels like it's trending that direction. And so... It's going to force the hand. Hmm. It, it's coming. So you're telling me we should have hired Ben Olsen. <laughs> no, Ben Olsen has two more <laughs> points than Latanzio. Hey, you hey, don't talk to you. You don't, you don't do that to Matt Swift. All right. And I was trying. <laughs> and so, uh, but real, real quick before we move on, we had Mark Nichols here and there was some friction with him and Miguel. Mark, we I, I think Vaughn's facial rec- like reaction right there when he said that for those who are watching on YouTube tells you everything you need to know right there, Swift. No, I'm just joking. But no, I mean I, I I get it, but you know, we're we're talking about MLS experience and I, I wanna say Mark was moved on kind of you know, his experience. I think Mark, and, Mark moved himself on, I think. I, well, I don't well, know he for was, sure. Yes, he wasn't my, fired. From yeah, from my understanding, he didn't like the situation. Was there was some friction with Miguel and maybe even Zoran, and yeah, so he 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 moved on. Uh, but we need somebody like that that has experience in the league that understands what's going on. It, not saying it needs to be Mark, but someone like that. Um, it's a weird league. So, and I think people that are new to this league, there's, it takes a little bit of time to, for them to figure it out. And there's some growing pains. 
What do you mean, man? The roster rules are just really simple. Like, it's, there's no need to have Von Stranamus on here. Like, we all we all get it really easily, right? Hey, my niche is going to be done. Garber already said with, with Messi that they're, they're going to be simplifying the rules on Wednesday. When you're listening to this on Wednesday, the rules are coming. The rule changes are coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, a lot of the owners and presidents, they're, they're meeting in uh, D.C., uh, I know Joe Labou is going to be in meetings. He's he's already there. He's in, in meetings Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Uh, they're meeting with Garber. I'm sure there's going to be all types of fun new things coming out of this uh, this little break here. So on that note, gents, uh, before we go to a commercial break and talk about our next amazing topic, is there anything else you want to say or share about Charlotte FC, Montreal? Um, have you heard about Leaks Cup? It's coming, something coming soon. Um, is there anything? I don't anything know if, anybody, don't know if anybody's ever heard of League's Cup. <laughs> Can't believe it. I know. It's just in case it's not shoved down your throat enough during the Apple TV pro- broadcast. Vaughn, is there anything you want to add when it comes to League's Cup or anything else that we should be looking forward to? Uh, a change of pace. I think we should just be looking forward to this window of time that is going to give us uh, an opportunity to get healthy, uh, that it's going to be games that, yes, they are meaningful. Yeah, it, it, the Nacoxa game in particular uh, ups the profile of the club uh, internationally, so that's cool. Um, and, and I think that we can treat it like preseason, like many people have said. Hopefully we can get Breck uh, Diahara in here quickly so that he can get integrated. Uh, our field can get more time and more reps, um, and, and hopefully we can iron out and fix some of the stuff that's not working. Yeah. What about you, Swift? Anything else you want to add from uh, our review from this past week? No, not really. I, I am looking forward to the uh, League's Cup <laughs> and Nakaxa coming into town. That's going to be a lot of fun. And it, it will be good to part for our folks to get healthy. Um, I'm interested to see exactly when Milan is going to be back. we got to figure out what how long Crujo is going to be going to be out. Um, Derek Jones. So hopefully, you know, when this all shakes out and we're back in league play, we're we are mostly healthy. Um, still not sure about Capetti yet and his timeline, but uh, hopefully this gives us some time to to get our players back and make make this push. Mathematically, we're in it. The way we're playing, we're absolutely not in it, but uh, it'd be it could be fun. Um, we'll just see how it all shakes out for the record. I think someone shared in Slack. We're at 37% chance to still make the playoffs, which it feels like we're only at 1%. We still have a 37% chance. The the teams around us can't really win games either. So, I mean, I mean, and when I say make the playoff, I mean, literally ninth. ninth. (laughs) So, I mean, like seventh is kind of out of the question, I think at this point, but the teams around us are, haven't really done their part. And I mean, yeah, Chicago surged up to eighth. Like, yeah, and we've got a game still against them. Like, we right. could catch them. Yeah, DC, DC's in ninth. We've got a game in hand on them, and we have a game against them. So, yep. you know, we're we're like one point, kind of in a way, out, out of that spot. Um, yeah. Well, three because we're behind Montreal, but we're within striking distance still. Do you yeah. do you think Miami has enough firepower to be able to overcome where they're at and make the playoffs or no? No, absolutely not. They've yeah, they're too far back. Don't not even messy. Don't tell messy that. 
Well, you hate missing anyway. Okay. So. Well, okay. For the record, I don't. And we're going to get to that in just a second. So, fellas, let's take a quick commercial break and then we'll talk all about messy here in a little bit. <laughs> Sounds good. Welcome back, everyone. And Swift, we are here with a word from our sponsor. And do you know who that might be, Swift? Renegade Goalkeeping. Wow, that is a really deep voice there. But we are proudly presented by Renegade Goalkeeper, uh, Goalkeeping. And, you know, I was told last week that I already screwed something up when saying something off of the ad here. So I'm going to use my friend from Google Assistant here to help me out. But uh, Renegade Goalkeeping is the world's first antimicrobial goalie gloves that are treated in the world so matt show these suckers off make sure the the fans in the show can see these things and how awesome they are right yeah so again guys these are not for sale so don't get too excited but just kind of show off like what their gloves look like Uh, again if you've missed it they uh, did all the gloves for the the recent seven on seven tournament uh, they were all branded for their teams. They were amazing. So go check them out. It's a, it's a local company. Uh, Ryan uh, is a Mint City Collective member. So you'll be supporting local business too and really good gloves. And as David and uh, his Google assistant said, really good quality material. So just go check them out. Give them some love. Tell them we sent you. And yeah, thanks for supporting the show, guys. Yeah. People take take a chance with them, take a look at them. They took a chance on us with folks like me saying things completely wrong. So give them some love and make sure you check them out. And Vaughn, before we, we send them off here in just a second, which one's your favorite, the blue or the purple gloves there? I'm, I'm loving the blue ones. Oh, I'm all about nice. the blue ones there. There you go. Take that, QC Royals. No, I'm just joking. So, uh, but on that oh, note, oh, I, I like the purple ones. I like the purple ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, guys, make sure you check them out on social media. They're on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and if you want to be featured on their stories, make sure you tag them and hashtag Renegade GK, and make sure you post anything around uh, goalkeeping and around their products. So, make sure you check them out. And welcome back. Thanks from a word from our sponsor of the show. We're back here again with Matt Swift and Von Pullman. And we're here to discuss some rather big news for MLS, where uh, last night, just in case you were living under a rock, you weren't paying attention to social media, sports news, everything like that, um, Messi was officially unveiled as a inner Miami player in Fort Lauderdale, Florida last night. So, um, <laughs> so Matt, first of all, I just want to set the record straight for those who are watching on YouTube. He has a little banner on here that says, why does Gustler hate Messi? For the record, I do not. But Matt, what did you think about the announcement last night? Did you think it was a big moment for MLS, big moment for soccer in the United States? Um, what was your initial thoughts of it first? I hate that it rained, but I absolutely loved it. Um, say what you want about it. This is a monumental moment for the league. This is not Steven Gerrard coming here. This is not even Zlatan coming. This is literally the greatest player, maybe in the history of the game, coming to our league. It sucks that he's not coming to our team. I totally get it. Uh, I don't idol worship or anything like that. But I mean, this is going to open up so many doors for us. 
This is going to bring in so many new eyeballs. I absolutely love it. I know it's going to get annoying to some people. All the attention is just, <laughs> hey, Messi's at the grocery store. But like people around the globe are going to eat this up. And they're going to look at MLS and be like, oh, MLS, huh? Oh, okay. That's that's crazy. What What is MLS even about? Um, and I, I've even seen people like, well, who I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm an inner Miami fan now. Who's our rival? Who's on our team? Like what's, what's going on? And I absolutely love that. And I know when they come and play us in bank of America stadium, there's going to be some pink and black and pink jerseys. There's going to be Argentina messy jerseys. And I just want everybody to take a step back and just relax and embrace it. I I get it. As a Carolina Panther fan, I absolutely hate going to games on Sundays and it being basically an away game. We're not going to have that problem here. Uh, I just think it's a different different dynamic. But yeah, you're going to see some Messi jerseys and you're going to see some Argentina jerseys. And I think that's okay. And here's why I think that's okay. You're going to look at a little kid who has a messy jersey on, and they, that's their idol. Are you going to look at that kid and say, hey, kid, take off that jersey. It's not the right one. You've got to have a Charlotte FC jersey on. You're not going to do that, right? Why would you do that to a new fan that's an adult, though? Right? At, at what point and what age do we just become jerks and say, oh, you can't, you can't like what you love? Oh, your idol's here? Fuck off. You got you to gotta wear a Charlotte FC jersey. I, and again, I get it. I never want to see our our stadium filled with opposing fans but this is going to bring people to our stadium this this might bring new fans to our team like oh we oh say you're argent say you're from argentina i can't imagine the pride and excitement for someone that's i i know on blue fury we have some folks that are from argentina i can't imagine just how pumped they are and like but maybe there's new fans that say, oh, Enzo Capetti's from Argentina. Maybe that's my guy now. And so, like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm excited. I get, I get how it can be annoying, but I'm over the moon about this whole thing. Vaughn, what about you? Um, even talking about it now and, and, like, last night during the announcement, I had absolute goosebumps. Um. For for me, it it the weight of him coming to the league hit me like it was a terrible presentation like it was a disaster for for Apple, <laughs> but but the weight of the moment, um, I I sure felt it. I, I fell in love with this league at six years old, and when I knew nothing about the sport, knew nothing about uh, the league, it was just starting. Um, and I fell in love with its quirkiness at that time. And I fell in love uh, with all of the little intricacies of both MLS and the beautiful game. And Leo Messi um, is going to serve as a watershed moment for the league and the sport in this country. Yeah. David Beckham coming to this league was... On a, on a similar level, and quite frankly, Messi coming to the league and coming to Beckham's team in Miami is a continued extension of that moment in time of Beckham coming. 
Mm-hmm. So the ripple effect that Messi is going to have to this league, I, I think is nearly immeasurable. Yeah. And uh, the seeing the stadium full and, and having a spectacle for a generational talent, uh, probably the biggest star to come to American soccer since Pele. Mm-hmm. Um it it it's something that is so hard to put into words and it's it's not just him coming at the twilight of his career and oh he's going to dominate the league and it, it it goes so 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 far beyond that and uh for for people that want to fall in love with this league that want to fall in love with the sport uh for for kids that become inspired uh to go into the sport and make memories like like we have like that, that we get to have this type of conversation around our local club uh, and to see it from its beginning. Like it's something that is hard to like everything we've talked about this whole episode, it's been so down and so downer. And uh, you know, where, where Matt started of being grateful. Uh, I, I am so grateful that Messi chose to have this impact on the sport here. And I, I can't wait to see where it leads. Yeah. I, I look at my own fandom and how I got into MLS, you know, I, I've said this before, you know, World Cup 94 was how I really got into soccer. And there were two players, right, that I really, really kind of idolized. And that was Kobe Jones. And, um, oh, my God, I'm blanking on the other one. Campos, Hori Campos. Oh, my gosh, sorry. Um, and both of those players happened to play on LA Galaxy. So guess what my team was? LA Galaxy. I had nothing else to base it on. I was young and and I kind of stuck with that team. And then my other favorite player of all time, David Beckham, comes to LA. So that just continued that fandom. So I can't knock anybody for getting into this league right now and saying, hey, Inter Miami is now my team because my favorite player in the whole entire world is coming here. And again, I go back to this is not just some jabroni coming to the league. This is, this is since Pele, since Maradona. Like, and and again, some people would argue, Messi's even bigger than than them. Like, it's just seismic, and the ripple effects that will happen from this. I mean, even already, like, look who else has joined Miami because he's here. Like, he's just a kind of like a black hole that just it just pulls stuff in, right? Uh, it's just, it's phenomenal. Yeah, the presentation wasn't the best. And yeah, it might get a little annoying him going to the grocery store getting cereal. But I mean, that's just paparazzi, man. And that's kind of common in in Spain, in Argentina, in England. Like these, these guys, like everywhere they go, there's a camera, there's paparazzi. That's kind of commonplace. It's, got, it's a little different here. But so many more eyeballs are going to be on this league. Uh, it's really, really cool. So I just want to challenge both of y'all that Pele is a bigger deal coming to the league. You know the reason why? Mm. Because he had a movie called Escape to Victory. And until Messi remakes Escape to Victory with Sylvester Stallone, <laughs> Pele will always be the upper echelon because of that. <laughs> so <I'm> just, <laughs> so if, those who don't know, that was a movie from the 80s around soccer and all this stuff but yes um no i i agree so again for the record i do not hate messy i just want to make sure before 
the oh, messy su- I know before the messy supporter group comes at me from Miami and, and starts tweeting at me or something like that. But no, it, it is a big deal. It is a humongous um, get for the league. I'm I'm mm-hmm. super excited to see what the league does and transforms into because of this type of deal and player. Um, you know, Apple TV and Apple are just sitting here laughing to the bank at ESPN and Fox uh, for passing up on a TV deal um, after or before getting messy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I will say I was, I was, I wasn't negative. I was making, I was poking fun of the presentation last night because a who would have ever thought that summertime late evening <laughs> in Miami would ever have rain for one. So, you know, who, who would have predicted that second um, saw tweets online around like 2000 fans <laughs> breached the, the fence because security went inside the stadium during lightning delay, which again, mm-hmm. I think speaks to the messy effect that I think mm-hmm. best or, you know, American security companies are going to have to be on their toes for games that Messi's sure. involved with. Um, of yeah. course, David Beckham almost slipped and fell on the catwalk, walking onto the slippery catwalk there at the very beginning of the game, or a presentation, and then using his iPhone as a teleprompter right in front of his face um, during the presentation was really fun. And then the last two things I just want to say I was poking fun at was um, during the presentation, of course, they didn't have this the the stadium microphone hooked up. So for the first like 10 minutes, it was just like, what are they saying? I have no Hmm. idea what's happening. Um, And then when they finally got it switched over, when there were Spanish being talked, it was mumbles trying to translate it really quickly for the English speaking audience. So I thought that was pretty comical from it. So from a execution and production perspective, it was (laughs) literally a disaster. But I think it also shares that like, I sat here and watched it with my wife and my dad and they were like, why the hell are you watching this? But they were like, <laughs> okay, like I, this is, this guy must be a big deal because who does this? This is the LeBron James coming to South beach moment for MLS. This is a huge deal um, for the league and for Miami, even though I hate it as a Charlotte fan, it's, sure. it's a big deal. Yeah. Now I do understand also your point about the kits inside the stadium I get it. I'm, of course, not going to go up to a kid or a fan. I'm not going to say anything to them, but I'm going to deep <laughs> down inside my gut hate it because I do sure. I do expect it to be a Panther game environment during this one game this year in Charlotte. I do expect it to be a sea of black and pink. I expect it to be a mess inside the supporter section because you are going to have those fans who are going to be proud of Messi, who are going to yeah. have a sense of fandom. And they're going to be cheering for Messi during this game, even though their home team is Charlotte. And I do think it's also it's not going to be a Charlotte problem. It's going to be across MLS the next three months. Everywhere he's going to play, yeah. it's going to be three, three years. Three well, years. I know. Well, I just meant the newness of this year. Yeah. But yes, it's going to be like that the next three years, right? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to, I, you know, again, and I use Blue Fury because I, I know they have some folks from Argentina. So, and again, I can't imagine... Sure. They're probably conflicted, yeah. right? They, you know, they love Charlotte FC, but like they get a chance to see their idol play. Yeah. So I, I can, I, I don't want to see any Barcelona jerseys or PSG jerseys. Argentina, I, I can, I can deal with. Um, I definitely don't want to see pink in the supporter section or, you know, black and pink or anything like that. Uh, 
but yeah, I, I think I'm, I can just give everybody a, a pass on, on this one and maybe just this one game. I'm sure as, as Messi plays and then kind of the newness wears off, it won't be quite as bad, but, but again, this is like a once in a lifetime type of thing. And like some of these, some of these people, even from that country may have never seen him play. Well, and I think right? that that's part of the appeal for this. Like I remember I was reading online and as, as shit as the production was for that event, there there was, I remember reading online yesterday that there was a fan who literally took like four buses to this event at Fort Lauderdale is from Argentina, got there hours upon hours before the event even got there just because their idol Messi was signing with the team and they wanted to be there. And to me, like it'll be the same thing as like, Christian Pulisic coming into and signing with Charlotte, right? Like people are going to be able to become new Charlotte fans if that ever would happen, right? You're going to have mm-hmm. these players yeah. that are going to bring a whole country in terms of pride. I mean, look at look at Pulisic going to go play in you know uh, Syria right now, right? Like if you're if you um, you look at um, oh, shit, um, I can't remember his name playing in Bundesliga, right? Um, being able to you know people about Reina. Yeah, Reina, right? Um, people watching the German league because of Reina. Like, you're going to have, like, full America, right? That's the whole reason why I'm a Fulham fan, because of matching right. and also because Americans play for Fulham, right? And that's, you get a sense of pride, and I, and I get it. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm never going to say anything negative to fans that have that sense of pride, but I, I also low-key feel a little worried about it, but it's okay. Well, it's, it's also going to push the envelope for the league where there will be a future where the Messies of the world, let's throw Pulisic in there because you mentioned him, uh, Erling Holland. You know, th- these guys are going to choose to play in MLS, not at the twilight of their career, but in their primes uh, as this league grows, mm-hmm. as the support grows, as the money in the league grows, as the respect for the league grows, as the sponsorship uh, money for the league grows. This is us taking a gigantic booster shot in the arm to get closer to that moment in time. And yeah. it, it, it's going to come. It, it will be here where we are a top league in the world. It's just a matter of time of, of it developing and maturing. And Messi is going to increase the, the likelihood of that in ways we can't even account right now. So what so and not to not to be negative in this because this that's not my intent. But when does that happen? Because, you know, you had the David Beckham deal happen and that changed and revolutionized the league. And you expect you're like, okay, yeah, it's the twilight of his career. But, you know, he's doing this for the betterment of the league, soccer, in the United States, et cetera. He had a player like Zlatan come and towards the twilight of his career, you know, that it, cool, it brought a lot of eyes to L.A. Galaxy, took a whole ad out in the paper, blah, blah, blah. You have Messi coming and it is towards the twilight of his career playing at MLS again. And it's been almost, what, 18 years, 20 years almost since Beckham signed originally with LA Galaxy. And yes, we're going to have this next evolution. But when will that happen when we have the type of player coming in their prime? Yeah, I'll I'll let Matt start. So what's going to happen? And just like Beckham, what what happened after he he finished playing? Then what happened? He he bought Miami. I was trying (laughs) No, no, no. That's that's yeah. exactly it. So Messi is going. He has in his deal to potentially have his own team. What players in the world 
if Messi's like, hey, you want to come play with play for me? That his whatever team that he decides to do, if he, he if he decides to do that, is going to be insane because there's going to be so many, especially young players that are going to be like, absolutely, I want to come to MLS to play for Messi, my idol, and him be my owner. But but that to maybe I'm just burned on the the Michael Jordan effect of the Hornets because Michael Jordan was the Messi for M- NBA, right? And he mm-hmm. bought the Hornets and did that work for the NBA? Now there's a lot of other things that happen. And like Miami wasn't good until Messi. I mean, we don't even know if they're gonna be good with Messi here, right? Like, but they, it's already, but it's already paying off. Beckham buying that team, and well, even though they've been crap, he he has Messi in the league now, so it has a hundred percent worked. I think it doesn't think, matter anything else after this. Well, I think that's more of a Miami effect than a Beckham effect, personally speaking. But that's that's just me. But but when you asked when, you yeah. know, it's it's going to be as more money comes into the league. Okay. It's simply a money game. Mm-hmm. Like Messi was a $200 million transfer to go from one team to another. You know, like there, there are players that are getting moved for stupid dollars just exchange between teams. That's an expansion fee in Major League Soccer within the past five years. That's true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like St. Louis was coming into the league yeah. as a new team for what a transfer fee was for, for the biggest stars in the world. Yeah. You know, you, you had Christian Pulisic go from Dortmund to uh chelsea for 73 million dollars right like 73 million dollars in major league soccer is like five years of the roster budget okay so <laughs> yeah. like like we're, we're not talking about a two and a half billion dollar apple deal we're talking about a 35 billion dollar apple deal in the future mm-hmm. and and you're playing a different ball game at that point yeah and you create a situation where the academies are mature and they can turn out world global level talent. You have uh, the, the the players where it makes sense financially and professionally for them to stay domestically in, in the U.S. You have young talent on the global stage that it makes sense for them to continue to grow and develop in MLS. And you have stars that recognize that for their legacy, they can build that legacy and do it in America. That's what the future is going to hold. Yeah. MLS is playing catch up to those leagues that have a literal 80 year jump on maturity. Sure. Because yeah. America could have had the league be that mature. They could have they could have 100 year old leagues right now for various reasons. It didn't happen. Um, but but we're one step closer to being able to play that same ball game. Mm hmm. Well, I look forward to the next 20 years when we're doing the show, Vaughn, and we can review back to this moment and be like, this was it. This was it. <laughs> um, if, so, it hey, if they can do it in MLB, they can do it in MLS. Yeah. It's just going to take time. Mm-hmm. It is. It's all about that sponsorship money, man. That's all it is. So mm-hmm. so yeah. just not to, to continue on the messy talk too much, but so one of the things that's come up was that um, grass fields is, an, an, is another topic that could be coming on the play, right? Um, do you do you foresee that being and I know Don came out and said that he's going to highly encourage the the rest of the league to play on a natural grass surface, especially now and with Messi coming in. And if you look at Messi's schedule, he has to play Charlotte uh, twice, but one time with a turf and then I think Atlanta with a turf is what's on his horizon. Right. Um, do you see the league really? making this seismic shift, especially for the 
the Charlotte game, which is in October, middle of the NFL season. Um, be interesting to see what that looks like. So what do you what do you foresee the league doing potentially after these Wednesday meetings, Vaughn, from that perspective? It, it Once again, it's going to be seismic. We're, we're about to get hit with a 8.0 magnitude earthquake to the league. Uh, the, the, the roster rules are going to change. It's coming. Like, I, I think within the next three years, three, three to five years, we're going to see a dynamic shift in how teams structure their spending. And the, the league's going to push that envelope to try and bring bigger talents, to try and take that next leap. But they want to do it in a way that they're not going to uh, risk the uh, financial stability of the league or some of the teams. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that is going to happen. And we're talking about grass. Like that is another impact that Messi's going to have on this league is okay. When they open up the roster rules, uh, you're going to have this moment where the MLSPA, they've already earned the rights on charter flights. They've already opened up free agency. They're just going to be way more money available to them in, uh, the budget spend. What are they going to be fighting for? It's going to be stuff like player safety, which will include playing exclusively on grass surfaces. And there's other team, other uh, leagues across the world that have already started that type of mandate. So I think it is on a close horizon. Yeah, I would be interested to see what Don says to the group Wednesday. Like I said, there'll definitely be meetings and I'm sure that will be addressed. I, I wonder if... Atlanta United and Charlotte FC be like, okay, cool. Can you give us some money to help facilitate that? You know, like, which is probably, uh, yeah, no billionaires, you can F off. Um, But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah, to Vaughn's point, I mean, so much is going to change and and I hope we go back to grass. I think it's just, it's nicer, but um, you know, all of the teams in MLS that have multi-purpose facilities you know seattle new england atlanta chicago uh, they all have turf right so we're not the only ones it's sure. it's not the it's not the best idea and i think there's some hybrid grass turf options that they're doing uh over overseas that we could maybe think about and that might suffice but i would love for us to go back to grass and a player like messi can make those things happen well or Patrick Mahomes, like the pressure is coming from the NFLPA. Oh, yeah. Also, like, oh, well, that's and that's where the money is, and that's where you know, you, if you got Messi and you have someone like Patrick Mahomes, like you know, voicing concerns. I mean, yeah, I mean, some, so hopefully change is coming. This is good stuff. Yeah, so I'm and excited for those Panther fans. I mean, Shaq Thompson, a few other Panther players were even pretty vocal the last year about just the way the turf was, especially after that Detroit game when it was like 12 degrees oh, yeah. outside. Yeah, it's um, like concrete. They said yeah. right. I think that I think they were saying it felt like concrete when they were falling. Yeah. So the change will happen. It's just a matter of when, not if. Mm-hmm. So just talking again about the evolution of the game, and Vaughn, you touched on it, not to get too business oriented around this, but even talking about your book club, Swift, around like the business and the contracts and the agents with with soccer, right? Was that the impact that Messi's gonna bring to the league is gonna be um, an injection of just money, sponsorship money, whatever it is. MLSPA is going to be um, <laughs> drooling looking at what these could potentially do for their future clients and players, right? But it's not like messy signs and all of a sudden the Brant Bronicos and Derek Jones just get a 
50% pay increase, right? That's not what's going to naturally happen. Um, what do you think is going to happen to roster spends and those players over the next two to three years? Are they just going to be sitting back going, well, damn, now that we've got all this extra money, I want a contract extension and they're either going to get it or not. Or do you think it's going to be this slow buildup of roster spend over the next few years? I personally feel it's going to be a uh, marginal slow build initially. And, and then there's going to be, you know, pockets of, of spending where it's incentivized to spend in a certain way. So, you know, Garber's talking about simplifying the rules so that the casual fan understands and can, you know, debate and discuss uh, the, the, the league, the salary cap and how it works in a different way. Right. We can talk about the NBA and luxury taxes and all this sort of stuff and the lottery and like people still get it right. Like there's still going to be mechanisms in place, but could they change it where, you know, the designated player rule goes away and it's just simply a, you know, any, any transfer fee over $4 million, you can only have so many of those. That's a very straightforward simplification. And those dollars are above and beyond the salary cap, and they don't count towards any calculations of the salary cap. Uh, but you can't spend over $80 million, you know, whatever it ends up being, right? Like they're going to set up some sort of structure like that and probably lose those GAM, TAM terms that are confused. Right. Like <laughs> I, I think they're just going to simplify the verbiage and expand the you know the actual dollars that the salary cap represents so yeah go ahead go go ahead well i was was gonna say so like the the only thing that would make me curious is when they raise that minimum threshold of what the players minimums are because like i think it's something ridiculous right now where it's like 70 80 whatever it is it the minute you up that players with current salaries be like hey i used to make x percentage over that minimum now i'm only making this percentage now i want more money and i think that's where it's going to get a little crazy and a little wonky well it's where the club the the league has to be very cautious right like (laughs) right now a eighty thousand dollar a year ben bender does not all of a sudden become a two hundred thousand dollar a year ben bender right right like just because there's more money in the league does not mean that that player on the global market it you know should have that much more money and so they've got to be cautious because they're still trying to supplement rosters and want to incentivize domestic growth you mm-hmm. can't just raise the numbers so drastically so that, that you have no place for the domestic talent well mm-hmm. ML- mlspa is not going to think that Yvonne. they're going to be like they're going to see that big pie in the sky and they're going to be like sure. no we want a larger chunk to that but i get yeah. it though yeah yeah and and to me too you know Vaughn, you're talking about maybe some you know rule changes and maybe you can bring in players over a certain amount. I I think what's going to happen, a fun thing I think it's going to happen is like you're going to have some LA teams be like, oh, you brought in Messi? Yeah, we need the rules changed because we want to bring in three people now. Like we want to bring in three more people. So it, this, this Messi move is going to kind of force other teams to be like, who we want, we want another high profile player um, and we should have more than two or three DPs. Let's change the rules so we can have a fourth or a fifth now. Or or like, hey, you spent $5 million on Swiderski's transfer fee. You spent $6 million on Capetti's transfer fee. Miami's over here spending $50 million. Right. Yeah. 
you know, like it, it's going to change the pressure on the owners too. Yeah, well, and then- I, I love it. That's why I, lo- I love Messi. This is going to disrupt so much stuff, and I, I think it's going to be for the better. And we, I don't want to go down this huge rabbit hole, but then you're going to have teams like Colorado and DC be like, I don't want to spend that much. But, you know, it's, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they react. So to Vaughn's point, we've had all these mechanisms in, in place to hold the league afloat. Yep. So smaller markets like an RSL, Colorado, Colorado can keep pace, right? And it's not such, it's not, you know, the EPL where the same three teams win every single year or the same same team wins every single year. Uh, there's, you know, these things are in place to help the league in total, even the Apple deal. It's good for the whole entire league. It's not, you know, good for just one team. Even how jersey sales are all structured, it helps the whole entire league. So it's going to be interesting to see how they implement some of these new rules with keeping in mind some of these smaller market teams. Yep. But but what you'll see is if expansion caps out and it stops, just like with the other leagues, what happens is when an owner doesn't feel that they can keep up with the spending or whatever, or they're losing for too long, they have to sell. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they have to get out of their investment. And then a new guy comes in and he either forces, you know, ups the spending and changes how things are being done. He tries moving the team to another market to try mm-hmm. and put pressure on the market he's in. It, it becomes the same thing we see in all of the other American sports. It's, or it's, the, the script is written. Or we finally and I and, and David, we've been promising kind of this promotion relegation talk forever. Like we need to get on that. This could potentially way down the road start that whole thing too. Because if you if you have some of maybe these smaller markets that maybe drop down a level, maybe that can start the whole real pyramid and everything like that. That's a whole other conversation that we'll have later. I uh, have some strong thoughts about why everybody thinks promotion is great and it's whatever. We just can't do it. We just cannot do it yet. But um, that could start that process. So it's going to be interesting. Like I said, this is going to change so many things and I can't, I can't wait for it. Well, gents, I think we put the record straight that I do not hate Messi and uh how much impact this is going to be uh to the league so any any final thoughts any closing thoughts on charlotte messy anything else so swift i'll let you go first before we uh close this out no i think i've said everything i'm just looking ahead to the final end of the season and i'll be in dc on wednesday watching arsenal play proper football that we try to implement here and uh <laughs> but i won't be I, I, i'm not gonna wear arsenal gear i'm gonna go neutral because i do want to support my mls fam and um and but uh, i am very much looking forward to watching but, it but swift it's okay like people won't say anything to you because it's your idol it team a- and, and I'm- <laughs> it's, it's 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 all right but i you know i'm i'm gonna be in mixed company so i just want to you know i'll go i'll go neutral but i will be secretly cheering for arsenal but i, I i'm just looking for a good game and i've never gone to an all-star game so i i'm very much looking forward to it well be sure you post lots of photos lots of um videos on our social so that way the fans can follow you and your experience there in dc yeah i'll find some nice porta johns to there you go <laughs> and, and 
do some videos from. <laughs> Make sure you follow at uh, CLT Porter John. No, I'm sorry. So um, <laughs> there, there is a Porter John account for the Charlotte Football Club on Twitter. Who, who started that? I have no idea. That? No idea who that could be. But I look hmm. forward to the reviews uh, soon. Um, but okay. Vaughn, um, any any closing thoughts for you, sir? Uh, I think anybody listening at this point in the episode probably doesn't need to hear this, but cher- cherish the memories we make together. Uh, stay positive as much as you can. Um, let, let's just remember that brighter days are ahead. And uh, let's be thankful for what we've got um, it, because it, it's still something that is going to be part of our uh, our future. And uh, it, it's special what we get to experience with one another. So uh, there, there's going to be these highs and lows, but just enjoy the ride. Yeah, look at look at you, Vaughn. And, and 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 respect one another. Respect one another. Yeah, look at you, Vaughn, making it feel really good here at the end of the show. So we appreciate it, Vaughn. It is always a pleasure, sir. Whenever you join the show, very insightful, um, always level-headed, brings such a great perspective for our fans and listeners of the show. So be sure you follow us on YouTube. Uh, we got some really great quality video and production here by Corey behind the scenes uh, and follow us wherever you look at podcasts. Uh, Swift has us all on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, etc. So be sure to check us out. See you guys. Awesome. Bye guys.